You have to bear with me today. I know nobody in this church drinks. But have you ever had one of those nights where you drink a lot of whiskey and the next day you're sweating out whiskey? Well, I drank no whiskey yesterday, but I had calculated, I just added up. I am on my seventh energy drink in the last 48 hours. And um, it's been busy. I had an event Friday, had an event last night. Don't tell Christine I've had that many. But I feel like I'm literally sweating orange rain out of my head. And I really just wanted to be able to say rain, orange rain on stage because I'm trying to convince rain that they should sponsor me and feed my habit because I'm like, man, I put rains in front of more people than anybody in events and all kinds of stuff. So I just wanted to have a clip of that on video. So there's really no point to that other than I want to be able to send it to them and talk about, hey, why don't you sponsor me as a pastor and feed my addiction? So, but I am seriously sweating rain. It smells horrible. Um, We're in a series called I Quit. We're talking about the things in life that we need to quit. I was raised that nobody likes a quitter. My dad emphasized that a lot in my life. My dad emphasized to me that when you start something, you finish what you start. We tell that to our children when it comes to sports. You don't have to play next year, but if you sign up this year and you make a commitment, you're finishing the season. But the reality is there are some things in life we need to quit. We talked about one of those things last week. We talked about we need to quit making excuses for not living the life we were created for. Today I want to talk about a subject that's not really relevant here at Action Church because I know nobody struggles with this. Nobody online struggles with this. Other churches, people who go to other churches struggle with this, but not this crowd. I want to talk to you today about it's time to stop complaining. Again, nobody here at Action Church complains. Never any complaining, no gripes. But let me ask you a question. How many of you say, I know somebody who complains a lot? Don't lie, raise your hands. How many of you say, I'm, no, no, I'm not married. You work with somebody who complains a lot. You have to be around somebody who complains a lot. There's nothing more miserable in life than being around somebody who just complains who's just negative about everything. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too sunny. It's too cloudy. People are driving too fast. They're driving too slow. People just love to complain. It's interesting. Some people will literally complain about anything. Some people complain about everything. Like I said, the weather's too hot, the music's too loud, the service is too slow. Can can you believe it took them three minutes to get me my hamburger? But if you get it any quicker, then you complain, "Man, man, this doesn't taste fresh. We just love to complain. We have this amazing thing called a cell phone. Have you ever stopped and thought about the technology that is in the grasp of your hand? You can do anything. I basically run every business I own from my cell phone. And yet there's probably no thing that we complain more about than our cell phones. 
drops calls, screen doesn't work, locks up, freezes up. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. God forbid it could be user error, but it's the machine's fault. It's an amazing piece of technology, and yet we complain about it all the time. Some people, it's almost like their spiritual gift in life is to complain. Like you just can't make those people happy. I wanted to get my mind around what exactly it is that people complain about. About three or four months ago, Facebook transferred my account over to what they call an influencer account. It's a business account. It's a professional account based on what they call it. And along with that, you get all these interesting insights. Demographics of who's seeing your post, how many people are seeing your post, how many people are responding to your post, the time of day they're responding to your post, what posts get more response than other posts. It's kind of an interesting thing. And I I put on Facebook about a week ago, what is the number one thing you're inclined to complain about? And I got a notification from Facebook that it was the most viewed and most responded to and most interacted post I had ever put up within a 24-hour period. That's saying something. Because I had put up some controversial posts before. I had put up posts that have led to news stations being in my front yard. I have put up posts that have led to the Cherokee County Sheriff's Department calling and telling me that if I did what I said I was going to do in my post, they would have no choice but to arrest me. And yet I put up a post on what's the thing you're most inclined to complain about, and the response was insane. And I started tracking the responses, and eventually I deleted the post because I was getting so many responses to it that I didn't want to track it anymore. I just kind of wanted to get an idea of what it is that people complain about. And it was interesting. It was interesting to see the difference between what men complain about and what women complain about. It it was interesting to see people complain about totally opposite things. For example, a lot of people complained about their job. They complained about how much they despise their job. But an equal amount of people complained that they couldn't find a job. thought that was interesting. Perspective is everything. Some people complained about their children. Somebody say amen. And yet several people complained that they couldn't have children. Perspective is everything. People complained about their schedules, how they have too much to do. And yet, I had a bunch of people complaining that they had nothing to do and they were bored. Women had a lot to say on what they complained about. When I deleted the post, I was at about 300 comments. And I added it up. 73% of those comments were from women. 
I'm not making any kind of statement based on that. The numbers don't lie. You read into it what you want to read into it. I'm just observing the facts. I don't expect any of the men to agree with me and say amen, but I know silently right now you are. Here's some of the women's complaints. Again, complaints about their children. Lots of complaints that started as, my husband, blank. My husband doesn't help around the house. My husband doesn't take me out. My husband thinks it's my responsibility to do everything. A lot of complaining about men. My, my favorite was several women complaining. There's no godly men around. I agree there's not a lot of godly men around. And I would also say what the church has deemed godly probably is not what they're looking for because the church equates godliness with emasculation. So it's the more we can feminize a man, the more godly he is. Hollywood has a lot to do with that. You ever notice in all the Hollywood movies and TV shows, the Christian man is always the nerdy man? He's the Ned Flanders. But I'd say there's some godly men out there. As a matter of fact, if you're a godly man and you're looking for a woman, hit me up. Because I got some women who were complaining they couldn't find godly men. And just call me Cupid, baby. A lot of women complained about housework. Surprisingly, women don't like housework any more than men do. I don't blame them. A lot of complaints from women about their physical appearance. Different things that they don't like. Trying to live up to a standard that is photoshopped or filtered. Men, though, we're very simple. The men complained about things like traffic, <laughs> bad drivers. A lot of men, I found this surprising because I didn't really realize this was a problem in Canton or Cherokee County. Surprising number of men complained about potholes. It's very weird to me. Not just one, like several men complained about potholes. we got substance to what bothers us men. A lot of men, I get this because of the pressure we feel. A lot of men complained about they just don't have enough money. They don't make enough money. A lot of men complained about they just don't have enough hours in the day to balance it all. Some men complained about they just can't have nice things. One guy, and I like this, complained about people who complain all the time. I thought that was interesting. One person and one person only complained about this, and I thought it was very valid. They complained about the way in which people put the, toilet roll, the roll of toilet paper back on the toilet roll holder. And make no mistake about it, there is a right way. If you are an under person, then you're going to go to hell. 
clearly over. You pull down on the toilet paper, not up on the toilet paper. Anybody who puts the toilet paper where it comes under and you have to pull up on it, you can't trust that person. I don't understand that. We established that today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is a right way to put on the toilet paper. And then some of you right now are saying, we're talking about complaining. What's the big deal with that? Everybody complains. It's not that big of a deal. In fact, if you look at the Bible, man, you'll see story after story after story of people complaining. I got up this morning and went to one of the Facebook pages. I have a couple of Facebook pages I go to after I do an event because I always want to see the feedback. And it's interesting. I book a band called the Guardians of the Jukebox a lot. And it's 80s music. Like, it's feel-good music. Like, you cannot help but smile while they play. I've now been using them. I think I did their first show ever. So three years, two and a half years. I think I've used them almost uh, in this year will be almost 12 or 13 times. And never once, let me stress this, never once have I had someone complain. And then today I was on Facebook and I saw a comment. And they weren't complaining about the Guardians show last night in Ballground, but they had to get in their complaint. Thank you for bringing the guardians. It was great. This is how stupid people are. I'm so glad our little city is getting to the point to bring in that quality of music. But I hate that our city's growing. Just had to complain. Just had to say something. Now, it was weird, in one sentence, they're complimenting that the city's growing and they get to have good music. Next sentence, they're complaining that their little city's growing. Growth happens. It is what it is. You're complaining about it. It's not going to stop it. But the Bible's full of people who complained. I mean, matter of fact, you can go all the way back to the first story in the Bible, the story of Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, Eve's tempted by the serpent. She eats the fruit. She comes along. She tempts Adam to sin. God confronts them. I find this interesting. Some of you are going to read too much into this. You're going to get really upset. I don't really care. Eve ate the apple first. She brings it to Adam. Adam eats the apple. This has nothing to do with the sermon. It's just an interesting fact I thought of. They're both in the wrong because God told them not to eat from that tree. But who ate it first? But God came to Adam. He didn't go to Eve and ask Eve why they ate the fruit. He came to Adam. He came to the man... The man is responsible for leading. That doesn't mean the woman is subservient. It doesn't mean she is beneath the man. 
They're equal. They have different roles. Adam was responsible. And God comes to Adam and he asks why. And Adam says, to paraphrase, the woman you put here, it's her fault. He complains. Even at the very beginning, he's complaining. She made me do it. Now, nothing to do with the sermon, but I do have a theory on that too. Adam's the first man ever created. Eve's the first woman ever created. I'm not one to check out other women. But Eve had to be a smoke show. She was first. Of all the women God created, Eve had to have whatever it is. I don't know what the measurements are supposed to be. But she was bad to the bone. On top of that, at this particular time, they were both naked. So the hottest woman ever is naked and comes to Adam with a piece of fruit and says, eat it. He's eating the fruit. I don't fault Adam. So it was Eve's fault. But he complains, man, this woman. Then you go over to the book of Job. Everybody knows the book of Job. Job was the guy who had everything. Satan made a bet with God and said, I bet if you stripped him of all the blessings, he'll, he'll turn on you. And God said, well, let's see. God began to take away the blessings, and yet Job remained faithful. But in Job 10 is a very interesting verse. The Bible says, I, this is Job talking. He said, I loathe my life. He says, therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. He said, I'm unhappy with what's going on, and I'm going to feed into it. I don't have time to break all that down in the next verses. That should be a great sermon. I might do that in the future. I'm going to wallow in my misery for a little bit, is what he said. I'm going to give free reign to my complaint and let it control my life. Because as your mind goes, so you go. As your verbiage goes, as you speak things into existence, that your life goes. Did Job have the right to complain? Man, he had everything taken from him. But at this moment, he said, I'm going to give free reign. I am going to wallow in my mess, if you will. And it affected him greatly. In other words, he said, I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to shout it out verbally, my complaints. And it was a brief downward spiral for Job until he corrected things later on. But I think there's one group in the Bible that complained more than any others. We've talked a lot about them lately. It was the Israelites. If you'll remember, God had the nation of Israel. They were his children. They were his nation, the nation he was blessing. And, and they became enslaved to the Egyptians, if you remember. And for years and years and years, they lived a life of slavery. And God raised up a man named Moses to set them free. And we've talked about Moses. Moses went to Pharaoh, if you remember, had the stuttering problem. Remember, we talked about him last week, actually. He said, I can't go to him. I, I can't speak well. And he began to give excuses. But Moses goes to him. God raised up this leader named Moses. God brings about these plagues. Pharaoh has a change of heart, and he allows the Israelites to be free, set free from the Egyptians. And on their journey to the promised land, which should have only took 40 days, 
Think about that. God sets them free from slavery and he has a promised land for them. The Bible says it was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a 40-day journey. They got out into the wilderness and in less than 40 days they begin to turn on God and complain about being out in the wilderness. And that 40-day journey turned into a 40-year journey. And they begin to complain. They begin to grumble. They're now free. They're in the desert and God is feeding them miraculously. Water's flowing from the rock. Their clothes never wear out. God is feeding them, taking care of them. But they're in the wilderness. And sometimes you got to go through the wilderness before you get to the promised land. And the problem with so many of us is we want to complain in the wilderness. The problem with so many of us is we want to complain about the suck instead of embracing the suck. The suck is part of it. You don't leave the valley and get to the mountaintop without having to climb the mountain. Climbing the mountain's tough, it's rough. But man, when you get to the top, that view. Children of Israel could have embraced the suck and been out of it in 40 days. Instead, they wallowed in it. They complained in it. They felt sorry for themselves to the point that they said it would have been better for us to die as slaves than to die out here as free men. Complaining can affect your life. Look what it said in Exodus. It said in the desert, the whole community... Let me tell you something, there's nothing more contagious than complaining. You get around one person complaining, suddenly you'll have ten people complaining. Suddenly you'll have the whole community complaining. These mofos had been in slavery. God has set them free. And the cancer of complaining is spread. In the desert, the whole community, not some of the community, not even 90% of the community, it says the whole community, nobody was remembering where they had been. They were just wallowing in where they were. So we might have church today, because they ain't even listening to any of my notes. Because I'll be honest with you, I got up this morning, went to the office and pulled up this sermon and forgot this sermon was even on this subject because it's been a long week. So we're going to wing it a little bit. It said the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They're the leaders, the ones leading them out. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Get the hell out of here. If we had only died, it would have been better had we died instead of being set free. There, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. (laughs) There, when we were in slavery, when we couldn't think for ourselves, when we couldn't determine what we'd do with our own lives, it was dictated to us. At least we sat around pots of meat and had all the food we wanted. 
<laughs> the government loves to get you fat. Let's give you some pots of meat. Let's give you all the food that you want. Let us take care of your most basic needs. And when you get freedom, you'll miss slavery. Good. Googly goo. Son. You have brought us out in the desert to starve. This entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. He said, I'm going to provide for you. God always provides. When you don't think God will provide, God provides. The problem is you're too busy complaining and thinking about what you... Hey, the problem is you're missing the discomfort because you got comfortable in your discomfort. I always find it amazing. I have never been to prison. I am not cut out for prison. It is my biggest fear to go to prison. I have decided long ago that if I ever end up going to prison, I am going to make sure Derek also goes down and has to go to prison with me. That's my new philosophy. I am not cut out. I am too sexy for prison. Okay? I, I Listen. I am not made out for prison. But I've always found it intriguing. They say something happens the longer you're in prison. They say you become in institutionalized. You don't know what to do when you get freedom. So many people get released after years and years in prison and they do whatever they can to go back to prison because they can't handle freedom. They become comfortable in their discomfort. That's what happened to these people. They wanted to go back, and so now they have freedom. They have the world as their oyster, and they're complaining. And now God comes along and says, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you daily. But every day, you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to go gather the food just enough for that day. I want to see you put in the work. God says, I'm going to do all I can do, but you've got to do all you can do. In the desert, the whole community Grumbled. They'd have rather sit around and have pots of meat than have freedom. When the greatest gift we can have is freedom. They complained that they were no longer in bondage. That blows my mind. And they begin to complain against God. And it sounds crazy to us, but we do it every single day. We have a God who has granted us freedom. He has given us a relationship, and yet we cling to religion, a bunch of rules. Somebody messaged me the other day in DMs that attends this church and said, so you're saying something about who decides what sin is. Well, the Bible said for him to know it do good and do it not, it is sin. But I think the church has done a really good job of making up what sin is. Constantine made it 
the nation religion, and make no mistake about it, put rules in place built around the Bible that benefited him. The church has come along, and instead of preaching freedom, because God forbid we have a group of free men and women, we've given them rules and regulations they have to follow where on the outside they can show the world they're Christians. Oh, they must be a Christian. Look how they dress. Oh, they must be a Christian. Look where they won't go eat. I told you the first church I ever was on staff at, you weren't allowed to go to the movies. That was sinful. But you could go to Blockbuster and rent a movie. I guess it became less sinful when it was in your house. Rules. See, leaders are afraid to give people freedom because they can't control them. People become divisive. They begin to complain. And nothing will destroy you faster than the spirit of complaining. You let one person on a team start complaining and watch that entire team dissolve. Mm-hmm. You want to see your marriage go downhill? You or your spouse get around people who all they do is complain about their spouse. And even though you got a good marriage and you got a good man and you got a good woman, what do you start doing? You start complaining. People will always bring you down. You've seen me use the illustration before. If I was to put someone right here and I was to try to pull them up on stage while they tried to pull me down off the stage, they'd pull me down every time before I could pull them up. It's easy to pull someone down. I'm trying to be a good influence. You very rarely pull people up. There's nothing more contagious and detrimental to a movement than complaining. There's nothing that will distill your joy quicker than complaining. There's nothing that will cause you to miss the blessings and the goodness of God quicker than complaining. Can we just be honest today? God has been good to us. Let me ask you a simple question. How many of you drunk at least one bottled water this week. One bottled water sometime this week. Raise your hand. Raise them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Look around. Think about that. You went to the store and bought water that was in a bottle, and yet over 40% of the world doesn't have clean drinking water. Don't tell me you're not blessed. Let me ask you another question. How many of you have a garage at your house or your apartment? You have a house for your car. And over 30% of the world doesn't even have a house. How many of you ate, and do not lie to me because I can see you, at least one meal yesterday? Did you know over 20% of the world only gets one meal a week? See, we forget about the simple blessings. God's good to us. Yet we spend all of our time complaining. Feeling sorry for ourselves. I'll never forget, I used to coach guys who started churches and I was talking to a guy one time and 
He had built a decent church. He was running about 500 people. Did you know that if you run a church of 500 people, you're in the top 5% churches in America? Only 5% of churches in America have over 500 people in attendance. And yet he was going to shut his church down. Matter of fact, Mark, he lived on Ridge Road. The church was on Ridge Road in Paulden County. I said, well, you're going to shut your church down? You have 500 people. He said, yeah, but blank, and actually I was on staff at this church, which was right across town. He said, man, they have 3,000 people. And I said, and? He goes, man, we're not doing anything. No, you're doing so much. What you're comparing is now making you complain because you're feeling sorry for yourself. First of all, God's not impressed with how many people you got coming to church. That's a business thing. The Bible says we're two or more gathered in his name. He is in the midst of them. We should probably get out of that mindset. Now, the other side of that is big church is not bad church. Big churches do great things in this community. But we just complain about anything. Because it's just human nature to complain about what we don't have. And see, we need to understand two things today. First of all, we need to understand that complaining offends the heart of God. I intentionally chose that wording. Complaining, I want you to understand the seriousness of complaining. It offends the heart of God. How many of you have had children? How many of you have ever done something for your children? Maybe you even, oh, how about this? Man, you want to take your kids on that dream vacation. So you put in extra hours and you saved, and you're all excited because you're taking the kids to wherever you're taking them to, Disney World, the beach, wherever. And you get there with the kids. Instead of enjoying what they get to do, they're complaining about what they don't get to do. What does it do? It breaks your heart. They're just being kids, I get it. But they don't understand the work you put in for them to be able to have that. I've got spoiled, rotten kids. I love my kids, but they're spoiled, rotten. My kids go to the beach two to three times a year. We've been blessed. My kids very rarely hear the word no. They never hear it from me because I am a pushover. If they do hear it, they hear it from Christine, and I've made her soft over the years. They're spoiled rotten. But blessing and goodness has become normal to them and they think everyone gets what they get. And so they take it for granted and they complain. We'll go out to eat and it might not be their favorite Mexican restaurant so they complain. I grew up in there. Let me me give you all a story. You've heard stories about your parents went to School uphill both ways in the snow. Let me tell you about the struggle when I grew up. The Kula, Georgia. 316. Before there was a 316. We had to go to Lawrenceville, Georgia to go to a Mexican restaurant. There was only one. That's a struggle right there. I didn't get to complain about the cheese dip. I didn't like the cheese dip at this Mexican restaurant. That's where you went if you wanted cheese dip. 
My kids get to go to any shopping center around and get cheese dip, man. What world do we live in? That's amazing. It's amazing. And they'll complain. They ain't got to pay a dollar for dinner. And they like a specific Mexican restaurant, and I like a different Mexican restaurant. And everybody has their own Mexican restaurant. Somebody say amen. I am a Viva guy. I'm an Exit 14 guy. That's what I roll with. I like Viva. They like the crap. What's it called? La Perea. Overproduced, chain, Mexican. But if I take them to Viva, they complain, ungrateful little brats. We're guilty of it. There's times that we have to look at each other and be like, 10 years ago, we didn't have two pennies to rub together. And we're complaining because we ate out five times this week and they took too long to bring our food. Man, we just complain. And when my kids do that, man, it offends me sometimes. That's the only way I can equate this to God. You put all this work into taking the kids and what they take. I'm bored. Christmas morning, man, you sacrifice and they have all these gifts and they unwrap all the gifts and they play with the damn cardboard box. Benji, it breaks your heart. You ungrateful little brat. No, I'm just kidding. I think that's how God feels when we complain. Look what the Bible says in Numbers. Now the people complained about the hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. There's very few verses in the Bible when it talks about God being angry. And the Bible said when he heard their ungrateful complaints, it angered him to the point that he sent fire down and burned up the edges of their camp. It offended God that God is providing for them. That God set them free. That God is bringing them fresh bread every day. I like the picture. I like the picture. It was like, like, like crumble cookies is what he was bringing them. Like they'd get up every morning, there was just crumble cookies all over the place, and they got to eat them. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's the way it goes in my head. And they're complaining. And the Bible says it angered God. His anger was aroused. It ticked him off. Let's just be honest. Let me give you the Gary Lamb version. And apparently I didn't know that we have an over-under every week on how many times I cuss in the service, but apparently we do. But this is not a cuss word. It pissed God off. He was angry. The Bible says he was so angry that fire came down. The The complaining made God so angry that he burn up the outskirts of the camp to remind them that he was God. So if you ever come home and the outskirts of your yard's burned up, maybe you need to evaluate whether you've been complaining or not. God's been good to us. And yet we complain. We got a roof over our head and wheels under our feet and food in our belly and man, work's a little slow this week. God ain't never let you go hungry before. He ain't going to let you go hungry now. Here's the deal. Why don't you praise him in the midst of what you consider a trial instead of complaining in the midst of the trial? 
That's the problem with us. We love, to, we, we love to give God the glory when we're on the mountaintop and we like to curse God when we're in the valley. He's the same God. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not just God when things are going good. He's God when things are going bad. He's not just all-knowing when it's going the way you want it to go. He's all-knowing when you can't see the future. The problem is you're too busy complaining, and you've offended God, and you've pissed God off right now. And so you're saying, I don't feel God right now. Well, of course not. You've angered him. But in his anger, he's still there. Golly, we focus on the wrong things. Even one time, Moses was whining to God about the people complaining. He goes to God and says, all these people do is complain about me. And God said, they're not complaining about you, they're complaining about me. Quit making it about you. By complaining about you, I about fell off the stage. By complaining about you, I told you I'm tired today. I'm seeing four of you have had so much energy drinks today. By complaining about you, they're complaining about me. When you start complaining about how work is slow, when you're complaining about your spouse, when you're complaining about your children, when you're complaining about the circumstances you're going through, maybe you're dealing with sickness right now. I don't know what it is. What you're doing is you're complaining about God saying God's not in control. Because if God's in control, it won't matter what you go through. You know God will get you through it. He might not get you through it in the way you think you ought to go through it, but you'll get through it in the way God wants you to get through it. I had someone recently tell me, I, I prayed for God to heal my mother, and he took her. I said, you believe in a place called heaven? He said, I do. I said, do you believe there's no sickness in heaven? Well, I do. I said, do you believe heaven's a place of healing? He said, I do. I said, then God answered your prayer. He doesn't answer it the way you wanted him to. And I get that stuff because our flesh misses those people. See, God's ways are not our ways. And we offend God. Second, I'm done. Complaining, we need to, hold. Oh, this, is, this is tough. I, 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 this rocks my world this week. Complaining carries significant consequences. Did you know there's consequences for our complaining? I heard someone say this week that complainers have spiritual bad breath. Nobody just wants to be around them. Ooh. You want to back away from them. It's kind of nasty, but it's a good point. What do you do when I... <laughs> oh, God, I regret this. Because all you're going to know who I'm never going to tell you. But my wife has a friend that has bad breath. It's bad breath. To make it worse, this person is a close talker. Like you step back and they step forward. To the point that Christine's talking about bringing it. Hey, I'm going to invite someone over. I said, don't bring them when I'm there. I don't want to smell their breath. That's mean, ain't it? But their breath stinks. You want to avoid people with bad breath. What do we want to do with complainers? We want to avoid them. Every time I walk up, he walks away. Maybe because you complain all the time. Maybe you bring people down. I call it the parking lot test. If I see your car and I dread seeing it, we're in trouble. I can't be around negative people because negative people can put me in a negative headspace really quickly. I don't want to be around people who are complaining about how bad life is. Let me make something real clear to you. Life is tough. 
You're not being punished because life is tough. It's just called life, baby. You're not special. God's not punishing you. You're just dealing with life. The problem is you make it ten times worse because you complain all the time about it. My flesh wants to be like, you ever been around a bunch of Yankees? Northerners are the worst about complaining. Worse, man. When people complain all the time, it just drives you away. If I was from up north, I'd probably complain too. But here's the deal. You shouldn't complain. You live in the south now. The promised land. Land flow of milk and honey and fried chicken and cat biscuits, baby. Welcome. I'd be mad too if I couldn't have got sweet tea growing up. Man. But there's consequences for complaining. Check it out. Numbers. How long, this is God speaking, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of those grumbling Israelites. So tell them this. God's telling Moses, tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. About to get deep. He said, I'm about to put into place the things you've been complaining about that weren't even really happening. He said, in this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. He said, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. Except Caleb... And Joshua. Remember what they were complaining about? We're going to die in the wilderness. We're never going to get to the promised land. God said, guess what? Now you are. He said, all of you over 20 years old that had complained, you will never see the promised land. Before you get to the promised land and the promised land is given to you, you will die in the wilderness. There's consequences for complaining. Be careful what you speak into existence because it might come into existence. That's hardcore right there. God says, you complain all the time about never having no work. You don't trust me to have work. I'm about to show you what no work is like. You're going to complain to me all the time to everyone about your spouse. I'm about to show you how bad your spouse can get. You're going to complain and gripe about your children all the time. I'm about to show you how bad it can get because you won't trust me. Complaining pisses God off. And there's consequences for complaining. I don't think you ought to talk like that. I think if you're more worried about how I'm talking instead of the message I'm trying to teach you, you've got a bigger issue. I'm trying to help you today. Human nature is we complain. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is a complaining group of people. I love you, but man, y'all complain. Every time I do an event, it's going to be hot. I'm sorry it's July. The problem is fall comes along and it's going to be cold. It's going to rain. God, you just complain. All the time. And it ain't just you, it's everybody. Because we don't understand the consequences of complaining. 
You know why so many times the thing you're complaining about happens? Because God allows it to. Because God says, if you're not going to trust me and you're going to speak that, the Bible says the tongue has the ability to speak life and death into existence. And you speak death into existence when you're complaining. Mm. Mm. The very thing you wanted, the promised land's not going to happen. Because you said, man, we're just going to die out here. God said, I'd have had you in that promised land in 40 days had you just trusted me. And said, you're going to wander around 40 years until all of you but Joshua and Caleb die off. And then I'm going to have them take the next generation in. And the problem is, though, parents, you're passing down. You're complaining to the next. I, mean, I don't ever remember complaining when I was a kid like kids do nowadays. But we've passed it down. We complain. You say, you think God does it? I'm just telling you, God did it here. You're saying God does it every time? I'm not saying God does it every time. I'm saying, but he did it here. How many times of what you complained about happened? I knew it was going to happen. Maybe you spoke it into existence. It wasn't going to happen. Mm. I heard about this realtor. and She was showing this family home. Home. And they said, what kind of people live in this city? And she said, kind of threw her by surprise. She goes, I don't know what kind of people lived in the city that you just came from. She said, judgmental people, ugly people, negative people. And the realtor said, oh, yeah, I'm sure you got some of those around here. The next day, she was showing someone else the same home. And they asked the same question. What kind of people live in this city? She goes, I don't know. What kind of people lived in the city you just came from? She said, oh, man, we came from a beautiful city with nice people, loving people, caring people. The realtor looked at him and said, yeah, I'm sure you'll find those type of people around here. It's amazing how we are drawn to people who are like us. It's almost like we have a radar. Let me tell you a little thing I do as the pastor around here when new people come into our church. I always tell people to be very careful. The third time you come to this church, you're hooked. I don't know what it is. It's three times. You might leave. But you'll come back because you'll be like, man, no one else is crazy as that place. I'm going to go back. But after about a month and a half, I start watching them. Because I want to see who they are drawn to. It's almost like they have a radar. Negative people are drawn to the negative people in this church. Gossipy people are drawn to the gossipy people in this church. People who have a heart to serve suddenly just find the people in this church who have a Hard to serve. Positive people suddenly are just hanging out with the positive people. I actually, I'm going to put them on the spot. I'm going to say, you know who my standard for the positive is? If after about five weeks I see them hanging out with Treff, I'm like, they're good to go. He's just going, unless he's getting all vaping. If he's getting all vaping at fight night, get away from him. But most of he's going to be smiling, happy, married to a crazy woman. All he does is talk good about her. Like I, that, like, I see that. They start getting drawn to faith. I know we're in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Really, I mean, if they get drawn to a bond. No, I'm just kidding. I done picked on a bond too much today. Faye already got on to me. But you can watch them. It's almost like we got a radar. We're just drawn to people that are like us. That's what he's saying here. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find. I'm, I'm the king of that. I'll hear something bad about a restaurant. We go into a restaurant, and I got all these preconceived notions that we'll leave, and I'll be like, man, that was horrible. Of course it was horrible. I went in with it being horrible. 
So many people come into this church with preconceived notions ahead of time. You'll find what you're looking for. You want to find bad, you'll find bad. You want to find good, you'll find good. There's consequences for complaining, and the consequence might be you speak into existence what you were complaining about. So the question becomes, and I'm done, Gary, what do we do about our complaining? The Bible says this in Philippians. Do everything. People say I don't get very deep. Someone told me one day, I'd like you to take words and break them down in the original language. That word everything, when you break it down, it's really deep. It means everything. Here's the deal. We have an English translation. I don't need to break it down for you. God preserved his word for us. Do everything. That means taking out the trash. That means cutting the yard. That means paying bills. Christine came to me recently and told me what our electric bill was two months ago. Ooh. It was double what my first apartment rent was. My first instinct was to complain. But then I remembered I'm fat. And so we ain't turning the air up. What I look at you and say, sure I'm glad we got in the bank. Changed my entire mindset about it. I could have let it eat at me. I could have let it fester in me. Some of the other day came to me and said, Bet you're hating that new truck. I said, Why? Price of diesel. Now, this does drive Christine crazy. I said, Oh, is diesel high right now? Well, don't you put it in your truck? I said, well, I don't pay attention to the price. I got to have it no matter what. Well, it's really high. I said, Oh, okay. Here's the deal I got to have it, so why am I going to focus on it being high? That's just going to make me mad. I still got to get across town. I literally couldn't tell you the price of it right now. I don't care. I don't worry about it. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He said, he said don't complain. Don't argue. So you can become blameless in a generation full of crooked people, negative people, people who want to focus on all the... Man, I mean, like, the most depressing thing in the world is the news. I, I believe we have a society that wants us to be negative. Wants us to be divisive. You know, we all got a whole lot more in common than we do not in common. But you won't hear that on the news. You won't hear that in the newspaper. Do people still read the newspaper? You won't hear that on the radio. It's all the things. He's he saying, don't complain. That way we can become blameless, that you will shine among them like stars. We said, he's saying, I want you to be a testimony of what could be. I want in a world full of darkness them to look at you and see something different. And I'm going to be real honest with you. They don't look at the church and see something different. I'm thinking about doing a sermon on this and sharing you some of my journey. During COVID, I developed some very strong views. For the record, I still have all of those views. They have not changed. They have not changed. Matter of fact, I'm more strong about them than ever. But I did not like the person I became 
during COVID over my views. It affected me. There was no light among the darkness. There was Gary the asshole among the darkness. There's no other way to put it. I became a jerk over my views. And the funny thing is, in being a jerk over my views, I didn't convince anybody my views were right. Someone asked me one time, what are you going to happen if this happens again? I said, my views are not going to change, but I'm going to handle myself different. And in handling myself different, you know I've had more opportunities to explain my views than ever before. People are not afraid of you having differing views. They just don't want you talking down to them. Well, they do. Two wrongs don't make a right. You teach your kids that all the time. Stop complaining. Where we can shine like a light. The Bible says that's what we're supposed to do anyway. We're to be light in the darkness. The problem is we become more darkness in the darkness. Man. And everything, don't do it with grumbling and complaining. That you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul's saying, if you do these things, I, I can boast that the lessons I taught you were worth it. But even if I am being prepared out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Here's what he's saying. You need to understand something. He's in prison when he wrote this. He's about to be executed. He said, even if they execute me, I rejoice in the fact that I get to teach you these lessons about not complaining where you can be a light in the world. You say, well, how easy is it to do that? It's just a thought process. You take control of your mind. The Bible says we take our thoughts captive. So instead of focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. That's going to be hard for some of you, especially you Yankees. But try it. Your first thought might be negative. Don't verbalize it. Stop, breathe, function. Come back and spin it positive and verbalize the positive. The Bible also says, I didn't put this verse in there, Philippians 4, it says, whatever's true, whatever's virtuous, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's good, it says, think on these things. Try thinking on the good things. I don't got any work. Ah, oh, you don't, but you got a house. I'm eating ramen noodles. Man, at least you're eating ramen noodles. There was a day when I loved ramen noodles. Man. The other night we got home and I poured. I was, was kind of not hungry, but I was hungry. I ate a big old bowl of Captain Crunch berry. And for a brief moment, I'm not going to lie to you, for a brief second, I thought to myself, I'm 47 years old. I have not stopped today. And I'm eating a bowl of cereal for dinner. And I put that first bite in my mouth and I said, but damn, it is good cereal. So I ate three more bowls of that cereal. (laughs) And it changed my outlook. You offend God while you're complaining. And what ought to scare you is there's consequences for your complaining. 